0: Palm Sunday is always such the trickster, isn't she? I mean, here we are, more than six weeks into Lent, into our fasting, our dust and ashes, enduring the best we can, and then, all of a sudden, the liturgical color turns from purple to red. The service begins with a shout of joy, "'Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord!' And then we are handed these palms as signs of victory. Children gather for a procession, dancing down the aisles, waving their branches, hitting their parents with them. As together we all sing, All Glory, Laud, and Honor. Could it be true? Has our season of Lent finally come to an end? Wah, wah. Not so fast. Lent is not coming to an end at all. Far from it. It's coming to its culmination. Which is why we then heard read from Isaiah, I give my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. And then we read from the Psalms, I am utterly forgotten as a dead man. Out of my mind I have become like a broken vessel. Next, it was these words from Philippians. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then lastly, we just heard, indeed we participated in the entire passion narrative, the story of Jesus' crucifixion. Like no other Sunday in the church calendar year, Do these two seemingly opposing realities come crashing together? The celebrated arrival of our king and his horrific death upon a cross. (laughs) What in the world is happening? A a crucified king? A subjugated sovereign? A, A defeated deity? Palm Sunday holds these two tenets of our faith in tandem and says, this is our gospel. You'll remember that our gospel began with the season of Advent as we longed for our king to come and rescue us. And oh, how we celebrated when he finally arrived on Christmas Day. And then... We stood amazed during the season of Epiphany as we witnessed this king's kingdom come bursting on the scene throughout the region of Galilee. It only makes sense, doesn't it, that our king would take this party down south to Jerusalem, to God's holy city. Indeed, this is what the angel Gabriel even told Mary would happen, right? He told her that she will bear a son, and that the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He had to go to Jerusalem. And so off to Jerusalem he goes so that upon his arrival, I mean, how can we, how can we not but pick up our palm branches? How can we not but spread our cloaks on the road and with loud voices of praise shout out together, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what this day is all about, right? The celebrated arrival of our King. But that's not all that this day is about. Just in case we haven't been paying attention, the season of Lent has added an unexpected twist to this narrative. Ever since the day Jesus was identified by his disciples as Messiah, as King, well, Jesus has been hard at work trying to upend their notions of kingship, our notions of kingship. And he's been doing this as we make our way with him this season of Lent to Jerusalem. It's on the way to Jerusalem that Jesus warns us. (laughs) Suffering looms ahead up there on the horizon. It's on the way to Jerusalem that Jesus shocks us by saying, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the one who makes himself like a child. It's on the way to Jerusalem that we are all left scratching our heads as we hear our master say, if anyone wants to be a part of my kingdom... Let him deny himself take up his cross. And then today, when we finally arrive at our destination, the holy city, it's as if we've completely forgotten everything he said. The cross that he's been talking about during our entire journey is now hidden somehow from our eyes as if this big red veil covered up the cross so we couldn't see it. On this day, We can't see the cross. All we can see is that good old-fashioned victory, a military parade processing into town, and the town coming out to crown their new king with all glory, laud, and honor. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's celebrate his arrival. You see, these two seemingly opposing realities of our gospel, uh, uh, we, we can't help but on this day to drop one of them, right? To drop one or the other. And so, yes, let's, let's drop the cross for the crown. Let's drop the thorns for the throne. Let's drop all this talk of, about coming to serve and instead assert our rights to be served. Yeah, that's what we want. That's what we really want. That's what we crave. But wait a minute. Hold on just a second. Look look there. Look at the eyes of our king as he rides into town. His eyes are filled with tears. Wait a minute. I thought this was his big day. I thought this was his time. The promised king is here at the doorstep of his capital city, and look, my God, he's crying. He's weeping over the city. The triumphant king, stricken with grief. What is going on? Why tears on such a joyous occasion? Well, let's, let's all uh, lean in and hear what he has to say. If you, he says, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. But now, they are hidden from your eyes. And so Jesus weeps. The things that make for peace, the things that are hidden from our eyes what is this? Is that thing that we've forgotten? It's that thing that we dropped, right, as we picked something else up. Remember, we, it's, it's the cross. It's the cross that ironically makes for peace. It's the cross that surprisingly brings the kingdom. And yet it is the cross that is hidden from our eyes on this day. The cross is what we fail to see. You know, uh, when you push two ends, uh, the ends of two magnets together... Uh, both of them the same end, north to north or south to south. One has to give, right? One has to push the other away. One has to win. That's what it's like with these two seemingly opposing gospel realities, the the kingdom and the cross. When push comes to shove, our human inclination is to push the cross away in favor of the kingdom, to cover it up with our own desire for the goods of the kingdom. That's what we really want. For in the kingdom, we know that, for in the kingdom, there's peace, right? So let's make war for peace, right? And in the kingdom, there is prosperity, isn't there? So let's amass wealth at the dispense of the poor to further our own prosperity. And in the kingdom, we know that there's justice. Yes, there's justice. So let's belittle and malign our enemies to secure and keep safe our sweet justice. And in the kingdom, we all know there will be joy. So let's go ahead and prepare a banquet for ourselves and our kin and for those who look just like us so we can protect our own happiness. You see what's going on? In our eagerness to reap the fruit of the kingdom, we fail to sow the seeds of the cross. We take a shortcut. We succumb to the way of the world, and so we end up failing at both. We refuse the cross, and then we forfeit the kingdom. Sounds like something someone else said once. Those who want to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for the sake of the gospel will save it. Tell me if you haven't heard a version of this story before. A young woman one day gets all that her heart desires. She's a stay-at-home mom with a flexible schedule while her kids are at school. She married the man of her dreams. She lives in the house she always wanted. She's able to buy whatever she pleases. She's able to travel wherever she wants to travel. And then one day, she wakes up and realizes that she finally arrived. (laughs) She has everything she's ever wanted. And yet, she is miserable. Could it be that in that moment her king is looking at her with tears in his eyes? If you, he says, even you had only recognized on this day the things that make for joy and peace. But now... They're hidden from your eyes, and so he weeps. The things that make for joy and peace, the things that are hidden from her eyes, what is that? It's that thing she's forgotten, that thing we're all prone to forget. It's the way of the cross. It's living a life of selfless abandon for the sake of others. It's doing nothing from selfish ambition, But regarding others as better than yourselves. For it's the cross that makes for joy and peace. It's the cross that brings the kingdom. I've been an Anglican for about 10 years now. And every year, Palm Sunday catches me off guard. She's such the trickster. Yesterday, even yesterday, as I folded palm crosses, as I contemplated the royal themes of our gospel text, and even as I helped with that veil, veiling the cross over the altar, I found myself celebrating and captured by the king and the kingdom without giving much of any thought about the means of the kingdom. Right? The way of the cross. can't have one without the other. So, friends... Do not be fooled. Today is a somber day, despite our shouts of Hosanna. Yes, our eyes might be set on something glorious, the coming kingdom of our Lord. But may the means of this kingdom never be hidden from our eyes. May the cross be the roadmap of our life in the kingdom together. Heavenly Father, We confess that as we get so excited and enamored with the coming of our King and the promises of the kingdom, we so quickly forget the way of the cross, the way of the kingdom. By giving of ourselves, by self sacrifice, by putting others first, by putting our lives into the lives of those in the margins. Heavenly Father, be generous with your spirit, and we ask that you would form this community here at All Saints to be in the shape and in the form of a cross in our daily lives with each other, in our daily lives with the world. Help us never to forget that the way of the cross and the way of the kingdom go together, and that that is our gospel. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.